You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone. I'm the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And I think this week's episode is just a little bit sweeter. After that final save from Alex McCarthy meant that Saints took three points away from St. Mary's and sent Bournemouth back down the coast, uh, just a little bit worse for wear. And I think a lot of people deserve some credit for their performance on Saturday. And I just wanted to start this episode with a shout out to all of the fans who were present at St. Mary's that very day. Neither myself nor George were there on Saturday, uh, but the noise that was emitted from the ground, the support that you showed uh, for the players and the coaches um, was immense and was incredible. And I think it's really uh, played a, a role in how the team responded. And I think there were a few instances when, uh, you know, we passed it backwards and maybe that got a little bit annoying, but um, for the most part uh, it was, it was, it was great. And I will say that uh, Adam Leach, uh, who does the Total Saints podcast with Ben Stanners, um, did mention that maybe, maybe there was a bit too much celebration. And I, I think I understand what he meant in that we still have a lot of work to do. We didn't win a cup final. It was one game against Bournemouth, uh, a team that we would expect to be better than anyway. But that being said, the fact that we put it all together, that Tadic had the game he did, that Lamita played the way he did, uh, that McCarthy came up big, that that everybody kind of put in uh, a shift and did their work. And, you know, we finally hit somebody on a counterattack. It was uh, a great, great uh, day and a great performance. And We've said it. We've said it all season. And I almost don't want to say it, but that's just something that we have to take forward uh, if we're going to stay in the league. And hopefully, we can build on that and get it done. But um, anyway, uh, today, the day that I'm recording this, not the day you're listening to it, uh, is my wife's birthday. I have lots of other things that I must attend to. Uh, but my interview with George Galpin, who works for Sky Sports News, uh, is here. It's coming up very, very shortly. You can follow him on Twitter at gGalpin95. He's also gGalpin95 on Instagram. Um, it was a fantastic time talking to George. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, we'll talk about all the normal stuff. We'll take a listener question or two. Uh, we'll look back in the match and hopefully uh, it goes uh, it goes as well as I think it would. So all that being said, thank you. And I hope you enjoy the show uh, and we'll talk to you uh, next time. All right. Uh, so here's my interview with George. Uh, enjoy it and have a great day. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, George Galpin. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at gGalpin95. And we're here to talk about uh, kind of an emotional match, uh, an emotional roller coaster, maybe, and a big win against Bournemouth uh, on Saturday, uh, 2-1. And we'll uh, we'll talk about all of that. We'll talk a little bit about how he came to work uh, at Sky Sports and, and all of that. So, George, welcome to the show, and thanks for taking the time out of your day to, to join me. Pleasure to be on, and thank you for having me. My pleasure. We talked a little bit before. Uh, Want to have you on, and then just trying to find the uh, the proper way to ask somebody out of the blue. Um, hey, do you want to talk to me on Skype and not sound like a complete weirdo? So um, appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. Um, so I, I guess usually we start uh, before we get into to kind of the the recent matches and things like that. We start kind of with a little bit about you. So um, you know, you we kind of talked a little bit about where you live. You don't live in Southampton, but uh, are you from the area, or, or how did you first become associated, or, or how did you first become a Saints fan? Well, I, I grew up near Bath, which is about an hour and a, an hour and a quarter away from Southampton. So my 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 family wasn't really uh, a Southampton sporting family as such, but my stepmum's family was. But half of them were Southampton, and half of them supported a, uh, a much worse club a few miles down the road. I think you know the one I mean. Yeah, yeah, um, not Bournemouth. 
no, Laverne, the, the other one. <laughs> and so I, I kind of got into Saint that way and where we were going down to see that side of the family. And we ended up going along to see Southampton. And from then, it's, it's been Saints all the way, really. When you were doing that, were they already moved into the into into St. Mary's or were they still at the Dell? No, they was yeah, they were still they were just moved into St. Mary's just about two thousand and two, two thousand and three. And so early on when you were watching and, and kind of just becoming acquainted with the team, like any 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 particular player, any particular match, any anything like that stand out to you as being kind of like your first real memorable experience? My my first game was quite mem- uh, memorable because my first game was the FA an FA Cup quarterfinal against Manchester United. It was the it was a game where we got absolutely fresh. We lost four 0 um, but I loved going. You know, it was that it you know it, it could have been ten 0 but I lo- just loved being at St Mary's and experienced my first game. So my my first real heroes at that time was sort of Peter Crouch. Uh, I love James Beattie, Kevin Phillips, Claus uh, Lundet, Vaughn, players like that, really. I, sometimes I forget that Crouch played for us. He's played for you know, the other team down the road. He's played uh, for seemingly everyone and uh, mm. still manages to score against us almost every time we see him. So uh, hopefully we won't see him next year in the, in the championship. Um, living kind of away uh, where you live, do you then have a... a kind of a an away ground you, you prefer to visit and prefer to see the team play um because it was because it was only just over an hour i did i did have a seat i did have a season ticket i okay. had a season ticket 2010 um so me and my me and my dad went to a fair few games in league one um my step my stepmom left by that time and it was sort of like right what do we do on a saturday so we we bought season tickets uh so my first season ticket was the season we got out of league one which was a really want a bad time to start let's be honest no no um but in terms of, in terms of away grounds the closest ones were like swindon uh Bristol City. We we went to Bristol City a few times to see them at the Saints. It was it was quite quite interesting losing twice to Bristol City when a lot of my dad's side of my family are Bristol City fans, so I'd get an awful lot of stick when we lost to them. You're not the first supporters I've heard of from from Bath, and so uh, I know that John, who does the uh, Saints FC podcast, lives uh, or is originally from Bath, and so what like. I'm looking at it on a map right here. Like what, what is that trip like making the trip down to, to Southampton? Like what, you know, what time, if you're 3 PM kickoff, like what time are you leaving your house and, and, and things like that? And what's the, what's the ride down like for you from, from Bath to, uh, to St. Mary's? Uh, well, it's, it's not really, it's not really Bath. It's actually, uh, about a half an hour south of Bath is a place called Westbrook. Okay. Um, so mainly down the A thirty six through through Salisbury. Uh, so it's three pm kickoff. I'd, me and my dad would leave about twelve o'clock. Um, it's it's a fairly straight straight road. It's through typical English countryside. You know, very quaint. Um, you get through Salisbury, tend to fly through Salisbury, and then. Path Romsey onto the M27, and then so you go through Southampton, and you see sort of the docks area. So it's, it's actually quite a nice, sort of a I wouldn't say picturesque, but it's quite nice to see Southampton as it is. It's a port, it's a port city. Uh-huh. So as you as you look in, you know, you see the docks, you see the harbour, and you see that side of the city come up, which is it's quite nice because you sort of remember what Southampton is rather than how you know how it always was and you can sort of imagine it that way yeah yeah so when we were we were there uh we drove we took the train down from london uh got off at southampton central rented a car and drove to stonehenge and so i'm familiar with the m27 in the in in salisbury in in the, the 36 and but i'll be honest with you that having never driven on that side of the road or sat on that side of a car and driven um it was uh I was so focused on just not getting in an accident that I, I didn't really pay attention to any of the, the countryside. I just know the lanes are kind of narrow uh, compared to what I'm used to. And I was yeah. just trying not to uh, not to clip anybody on the way through. So, um, But I, I do remember coming back into Southampton, uh, trying to get to St. Mary's and, and coming through and seeing the docks and, and being in, like... I mean, I live by the ocean, but I don't lit. We don't have ships like that where I'm from, mm. and so just seeing the size of that, and and like you said, it, it is kind of what Southampton is, and it's what it's about, and you know, it's kind of the history is all is all there behind it. So it's it was it's nice. So yeah, 
Um, but now you work at Sky Sports News. Um, and so yeah. how does that how does that happen? How did you had you always wanted to work in that industry or, or when did that become something that you were, were focused on and wanted to achieve? Uh, I done a degree. I done a sports journalism degree at uh, Southampton Solent in people will know it. Um, if you walk the ground from the city, it's, it's the uni in the middle of the city. Then I went, moved up to Wolverhampton uh, to do another journalism qualification. And towards the end of that, my tutor knew I wanted to work in sport. She got sent an email saying that the placements are open for Sky Sports News. I'm a, I'm, I've always dreamt of working at somewhere like Sky Sports News, but I never thought it was sort of possible. So I, I applied with help with from a tutor and I got in, managed to do two weeks and worked on a few diff- uh, three different departments within Sky Sports News. And two of them said, we like the look of you. Do you want to come back in for trials and trials? and yeah they both they were both very happy and but I'm working so it's, it's kind of a, a work experience way in and they seem very happy with me and but yeah that's how I that's how I got in what's the what's been the biggest difference between kind of learning about journalism in school and then actually kind of being jumping into to Sky Sports News like has there been a, a anything that has been drastically different or or is it all kind of lined up and worked out kind of the way you thought I mean when you when you have lectures and seminars or something and all you know what's the what's the point in this but then you know sometimes but then you get into it you get into that newsroom environment where things are going on you know you can hear lots of different things being talked about you've got the the main channel you can see the whole sector and it's like wow and then you start using the stuff you've learned about and it's like but that's what that's for you know that's you know that's why i've been taught that and i guess the main the main difference is just the, the environment you know way where you're learning about something and there's no real pressure to then go into a newsroom where you've got to get stuff out for the hour, you've got to get stuff out and say 20 minutes ready to go on air, you've got to get, you know, perfect, make sure all the bits are set up ready to go out at that specific time. So I'd, I'd probably say the pressure aspect of it. Um, anybody you, you've worked with, like, uh, you know, that you maybe saw on TV as a kid or listened to on the radio as a kid and then surprised you with their, maybe their work ethic or how they, how they behave off, off air? Um, I guess, I guess what you learn is that even though they're people that you've seen for years and, you know, and you, you see them almost on a pedestal almost and then you meet them and you just think, well, they're just a normal person, if that makes sense. So, you, you know, I've, I've seen obviously because Matt Letizier works in around Sky, I haven't thought, I haven't talked to and met Matt myself, talked to him whilst at work. But he just, you know, he just comes across as a very normal guy and you just have to, you sort of learn that, yes, these people are very famous and they're obviously very talented at what they do, whether it's presenters or whether it's ex-footballers or whatever. They're just normal people and, you know, it's, it's quite cool to see someone, you know, for example, like Matt Letizia, just going about his regular normal working day and how how normal he is really in a, in a way. It's quite it's quite interesting. Any Any change? Once you started working in the newsroom, to how you kind of view uh, all, all of the football, or is it your, your perspective kind of stayed the same for for most of that time? Uh, you get you get a, a more appreciation of how how I'd say how the media works because it, as a Southampton fan, you sort of think, oh, why why aren't we concentrated on? Why aren't we talked about? And then you sort of see why <laughs> obviously bigger clubs and other clubs are more favoured, and I guess. In term in terms of coaches and I wouldn't I wouldn't say sympathy, but you you get much more of an under, understanding of you know the pressure they're under because you know say uh, so for example last week I was working on the uh, post match Stoke Burnley stuff and these these guys who are under enormous pressure I know they've paid a lot of money but guys like Sean Dyche and Paul Lambert uh, you know they come in from what is a very intense game or whatever you know Paul Lambert's job presumably rides on him keeping Stoke in the Premier League and then the go from that very intense feeling where we drop points we're going to go down you know we're you know it's looking more likely that they're going down suddenly be shoved in front of a camera being asked questions literally two minutes after they've 
gone down the tunnel, you get a much right. yeah, you get an appreciation of well, okay, these guys are these guys are under enormous amounts of pressure, and how they deal with the media and is very important, and you get a much better understanding of that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, okay. Well, um, I know it's not two minutes after you've gone down the tunnel, but are you okay with moving on kind of to, to the yeah, match from yesterday? That's rock and roll. All right. So it's, it's a, a different feeling waking up today and knowing that we're going to talk about this. And I'm always excited to, to do the podcast. I'm always excited to talk to people, but today's feels a little bit better because I think of, of the result yesterday. And, and by any means, we're not out of the woods yet. We still have plenty of work to do, but I can just say right now that I'm, I'm feeling okay and pretty good about, about how the team played yesterday. Um, and it's nice to play well and get a result, I think. Um, but let's uh, let's start with the lineup because, you know, going into yesterday, it had been something like 22 weeks without a victory at home. I think the last time we won at home in the Premier League was against Everton, if I'm correct, way back in November. You are correct. Um, and that was kind of at when Everton was at their at their lowest point. And, and that was a match where I thought we were really going to kick on it and play well after that. And, and of course, you know, we all know what's happened since then. So um, the lineup comes out. It's... It's uh you know we have three center backs. Um, Stevens does not return. Bednarak keeps his place, which I think is fair for him. Uh, I think people maybe have questions over Hoot uh, if Stevens should have come in there. But I think it's either a, a five four one or a three five two, uh, however you want to see it. Um, and it, and so for you, uh, your thoughts on 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 playing uh, three center backs in, in a match where we you know have to score and have to win. We're not playing necessarily a big team in Bournemouth. Um, but what do you what do you make of that? And then even some of the personnel that were that were uh, deployed by by Mark Hughes. I guess the form the formation. I think the fact that we're playing three centre back means we can push Cedric and Bertrand on. It means we can have we don't have to have three midfielders, so we can go a little bit more attacking in midfield. Uh, so we only have the two centre midfielders. Normally, we probably have to have a third man in there. Uh, three, the three centre backs we've, we've got out. I'm not entirely sure on the quality of them, but I can sort of see why he's gone for that formation. I tend to think that that Bertrand and Cedric are as good as anybody else in the squad that we have at providing the width that the formation gives you. You know, um, giving them the license to get forward and get crosses in. I know Cedric's gotten a lot of um, criticism over over this year. He his shooting is atrocious. Um, but, but last year he was the most accurate crosser of the ball, um, in, in the premier league. And so he, he can get the job done. It's just, uh, do we have people in the box that are going to be, to be there? And I think I, I was kind of glad we didn't go with Romeo Lamina Hoiberg, that, that trio in, in central midfield, because I think that's a, a bit too defensive. I think we need somebody that can get, uh, forward and be slightly more creative. So, um, with Tadic there, uh, I think that that's a creative kind of, that, that is where our creativity is going to come from. Uh, Redmond has the pace and kind of the, the energy to, to go and press if he can be, uh, kind of motivated to do so. And, and he can assist Austin. And then with Bertrand and Cedric kind of being willing to get forward. Um, I think, I think that's an okay formation and I think it provides us a little bit more security, um, on the back line, assuming that those guys can, can stay switched on, which, uh, we'll come to when we talk about Bournemouth's goal, but, um, any, any problem for you with, with, uh, Ward Prowse missing out maybe? Um, I think what our biggest threat really a lot of the time has been from set pieces. So I'm, I'm sort of surprised that Ward Prowse hasn't had much game time over the last few weeks. But then if you sort of think about where he is most effective, you probably would say as a, as a sort of a, a defensive right midfielder. So obviously if you're playing a, a formation where you've got wing backs, you're likely not going to fit into the team. So I can, I can sort of see why he hasn't, he hasn't played. And I wouldn't have wanted him to play over, over someone like Nathan Redmond. I know Nathan Redmond gets a lot of criticism, but in a game like that where you need creativity, you know, alongside Paddock and Austin, you also need pace. And then Walprow clearly doesn't have any pace. I think when we played Chelsea, uh, at home uh, two, three weeks ago, we really we struggled because although we had long, we that was our only outlet. Whereas uh-huh. Nathan Red, Nathan Redmond, to give him his credit, does offer an outlet down down the wing or you know simply just by running in behind. So I can sort of see why James Ward-Prowse didn't play. Yeah, I don't think this is the best formation for him to 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 play in, as you, as you mentioned. And when I think back to the match this year that I think Redmond has been the best in is when we played Man City. And we played a similar formation to what we played yesterday. And that was the game where kind of Pep was giving him the pep talk afterwards, um, if you remember that. And yeah. I thought that that was 
you know, he ran his abs, he ran his socks off and he was back defending and then forward pressing, pressing their center backs and doing everything that he could do. And that was the role that he was supposed to, uh, to, to fulfill. And I think that's where he is, is the best. And it's, you know, he doesn't quite have the final ball, the final decision-making at times. Um, sometimes he surprises you, uh, when he fired that goal in earlier this year, um, he just got the defender backed off him a little bit too much and it just doesn't happen enough. And maybe that was last year. I can't really remember, but I just remember that goal going in the top corner going like, Oh, that that's what we want to see. But, um, you know, overall yesterday when we didn't have, have long on there, I thought, I thought Austin would play because I thought, uh, we're probably, you know, we need to create a few chances and Austin needs to put it away. And then that will, that will allow us to, to hopefully hit them on the counter. And we need to have somebody like Redmond, um, on there to be able to to do that. And of course it was, it was Tadich for both goals yesterday, uh, which were spectacular and we'll, we'll move on to that. But the, the one other thing that I, that I would like to, to mention here is, you know, it came out earlier in, in the, in the, in the week that Buffal being sick over the past week or so, um, that he had had a kind of a falling out. He had had, there had been an incident on the sideline and in the locker room. Um, Mark Hughes had sent him to train with the under 23s and Mark Hughes has repeatedly talked about this idea that he's, he's quickly finding out who wants to play for the shirt. Um, and I'll be honest, I, I think a lot of us thought, and I know I did, I thought Lamina was, was in that, in that boat as well. Cause I didn't think his performance was particularly inspiring, um, uh, last week in the FA cup semifinal. Um, I thought he would have been one of the guys to be dropped and it's, it's tough, I think on, on, uh, on Hoiberg to leave him out because I, I feel like he's been a guy that has run hard and played hard. And a, a lot of fans are calling for him to be captain at some point. Um, but then Lamini gets the start. Uh, he comes out with the freshly dyed hair and it's like a whole new him. It's like, this is, this is the guy we bought. Um, so, so were you surprised to see him start, uh, over, over Hoiberg? I've got to be honest. I was to a certain extent, but then let's, let's be fair. When Lamina's on it, he's one of our best players. And yesterday he was, he was definitely on it. He provided, he provided something that we don't have a lot of in the field, which is sort of that ability to just, you know, carry the ball. R- Romeo, Hoiberg, Davis, Warprowse, they're all very similar and they like to pass at five yards, 10 yards, but R- Lamina's able to add dynamism to center midfield which we really needed because when you've got five defenders you obviously you don't want to be too defensive in midfield as well so to have that guy who can carry the ball forward like he like he did for the first paddock goal you know he, he carried it 20 yards and then played a lovely pass through to him so I, I, I was surprised to see him in the team but then when his what his performance wanted that the only thing I would say about Chelsea is that he'd missed the game on the Thursday because of a sort of a hamstring problem that was caused by his back. So perhaps where he's being thrown in, where Hoiberg had played the Sunday, then the Thursday, Hoiberg was unlikely to play three games in a week in a formation where he needs to be physically, you know, bang at it. Perhaps Lamina wasn't fully fit coming back, but yesterday he looked back to his back. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, he's got a lot of stuff going on personally. He's got a, a, a kid come in and, and all that stuff. So who, who knows what sleep patterns and everything else are like. So it's, it's nice to see him back and, and fully, uh, seemingly fully fit and, and committed. And I think that's all, I think that's all Saints fans want is we want people who are committed to each and every tackle to, you know, for, for the full 90 minutes and, and really put themselves about. And I think if we do that and we lose, so be it. Uh, we just, I just don't think we've seen enough of that this season um, consistently from people. Then that's all. Um, but let's kind of go through, go through the match. Um, you know, I was nervous going into the game. I was, you know, worried that we, we've played some bigger matches over, over the past few, um, months, months. I think we just keep saying it's, it's, this is a a must win and maybe, you know, that's the wrong term, but we need points. And so coming into Bournemouth, a lot of people saying Bournemouth don't have anything to play for. Um, they could have mathematically, you know, sealed themselves in the premier league if they had, they got a win yesterday. Um, so that would have been nice for them. So, so there was something there, but, um, I I don't know. I was nervous going in, but, but just the way we kind of started the game, maybe a little bit too casual. Um, and I'm always, I think more critical of our team early on. I always am pointing out mistakes and stuff in my notes because I, I am, I think that's just how I am. I think that's just my, my personality. Um, but 
how long into the game before you kind of felt like hey, we really have a, a legitimate chance to to take some points from that? I, I wasn't surprised that we started off nervously because obviously, you know, you were talking about the fact that we hadn't won at home since Everton. But automatically, you're going out there, you know you're not on a particularly brilliant run at home. So that's playing in the back of your mind. So obviously, and bearing in mind, Bournemouth went at it, went at it from the very beginning, you know, trying to play on that lack of confidence. So I, I would say it probably took say, 10 to 15 minutes to really settle in and you know get used to who they were playing against because it was obvious from the Bournemouth lineup they've added a lot of pace so they're automatic, automatically sort of thinking oh are we going to get caught at the back or you know this could be a tricky game so it took a, it took a bit of time for Saints to really get used to that I think yeah and there were a couple of instances I think uh there was one time, I think later on in the match, where, where Bednarak tried to foul, might have been King, and he just couldn't catch him to foul him. And it was like, oh, no, this could be this could be terrible. But he, uh, you know, eventually re- re- recovered. But um, yeah, for the first, you know, I, like you said, ten to fifteen minutes, Bournemouth were were coming at us. Um, Cook obviously got booked very early on for a foul on Tadic, and I think that uh, he he comes into play later because he makes. Uh, several mistakes yesterday, but we didn't really get our first real spell of possession until like 13 minutes in. Uh, we we put a few crosses in, and it kind of ended with with a, a shot being blocked. Um, both Bertrand and Romeo had shots blocked uh, in the area, and so that I, I think that was the the real first time I you know I stood up in my, in my as I'm watching the match. I'm sitting here and you know I'm standing up saying you know just we just need a ball to go in. We just need something to happen. Um, but I thought Bournemouth stayed pretty compact. I thought they did well defensively. Um, and it was just kind of looking for us. We were, you can tell we were trying to find our, our feet and see where the space was going to develop. And, and as it started to happen, people started to move more and more off the ball, which I thought, uh, obviously is, is good. Cause that's what you need if you're going to pull, um, something apart, but, um, we've been punished so often for mistakes. You know, you go back to West Ham, uh, where Lamina kind of, uh, made a mistake off the corner to lead to their first goal in the counterattack. And it was nice to see us capitalize on, on a mistake fr- from them. Um, so kind of getting into, into the first goal from, from Tadic, um, obviously their corner comes out. Uh, Redmond takes a touch. Lamina runs with the ball and it's just, can Tadic stay on side and can Lamina put the ball in his path? And then can Tadic get the shot off before, you know, those Bournemouth players, which should have no business making that recovery run and getting there in time. Um, obviously he, he puts it away. And I think at that point that was like a, most of my family was probably awake at that point. Cause I was yelling at the TV and my wife had thought the other team scored because I was using quite a few uh, curse words. And so my kids were kind of like, Oh, like dad's upset. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm happy. It's just, uh, I'm surprised, I guess. So um, <laughs> as we're looking at the goal, it, it, were you, I guess, were you shocked at how fast we counterattacked or did, did that show something that we haven't had or, or what kind of, you know, what, what allows us to, to do that uh, to, to them versus, you know, having it done to us, I guess. The first, the first sort of feeling I had was sheer relief, you know, that, oh my God, and then shot, oh my God, we're actually winning because I was, I was talking about the confidence that, you know, Saints probably didn't have, whereas Bournemouth were probably sitting back to try and catch us out and having not, caught us out they sort of had to change tack slightly I don't know whether that's that's quite right so when they pushed forward you know we suddenly had that chance and you know it was obviously a very very good finish those three players Redmond, Lamina, Paddock's done really well obviously and I think it was it was good that not only Lamina but Paddock's as well you know those two combining well to score because they've had a lot of criticism over the last few weeks how they don't care or whatever right but to have to have Paddock in that position where you could tell he wasn't worried. You know, sometimes if you if you're not so emotionally wrapped up in the situation, you can look at it from a you know with a cool head. And it, and it, I think it showed with Paddock. It showed that in those moments you need to have players who aren't you know who who you know maybe aren't going to provide work rate but are going to put the ball in the back of the net are going to make those chances are going to you know are going to provide the te- the technique and he's and he certainly did that so you know to punish to punish Bournemouth with their first mistake obviously helped us but in it and it played into our hands because it was clear from the formation and everything that we were going to be the ones you know to sort of play on the break you know that that suits us more because we've been conceding goals we have to be sort of almost defensive so to punish 
performance last as to say it gives us a big psychological boost. Yeah, and I think you would say the the three players most criticized recently in our in our that were playing today or yesterday um, or Saturday, whatever whatever it is, um, the three players combined to to make that goal happen. And I think that that is good. I think that does wonders for their confidence. And I think that after that, you know, the the worry for us is that we're going to sit back even more. And I don't think we did in the first half. I thought we we continued to kind of to 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 push and, and to test Bournemouth. Um, Austin had that horrible cross that almost looked like a shot and, and, uh, you know, we, we won a corner out of it. And I don't know. I thought, I thought that the players put in an immense amount of effort yesterday and I, and I just can't reiterate enough how much I, I appreciate that from them. Um, because I think it showed, maybe it showed that Mark Hughes's message is getting through to them, that he is kind of connecting with them. And, and I think that's kind of what you need. You look at, at some teams who have players that are great. Um, but they don't always put in the effort. And, and at some point, you know, the players have to take some responsibility for that, but sometimes managing takes a, a, a part of that as well. And I don't think that either of our, our previous two managers really inspired a bunch of confidence uh, from the players. And we're, I don't think they were able to motivate uh, the players as necessary. And I think that maybe it's, it's sending Buffal down to the under 23s that sends the message to like, I, you know, I don't care how much you're being paid or whatever. Um, you know, there, you, you have to work hard if you're going to be in the 18, if you're going to be in the 11, uh, and I think that maybe that message helps. Uh, and, but you know, I, that's just speculation because we're obviously, we're not, we only get what Mark Hughes gives us in, in the press conferences and, and what we can take from quotes and things from players. But I don't know, I have to, I have to give him some credit and then getting the players motivated and getting the players working and, and then to see it kind of rewarded, uh, through Tadic and Lamina kind of getting the goal and the assist and Redmond having a, a hand in it as well. Um, I don't know. I'm really, really, ha- really, really happy with that. Yeah, they, they definitely, especially Lamina, you know, he was obviously criticized a lot. Same with Tadic, same with Redmond. They all shown why they were in the team. They all stepped up to the plate. I mean, let's, let's be fair that who the, who are those three, Tadic and Lamina are, especially if we go down, are likely to move on. So, but you want to know that, okay, you might, you might be moving on. You're still, you know, because they, they obviously have to do it for their teammates. Right. You know, even, you know, you have to show, you know, you're doing, you're doing it for your teammates. You're not going to let them down. So, that you, yeah, I, I definitely. It's uh, it nice to say. Now, we should point out, um, we'll come to Alex McCarthy a bit be- uh, later because he had two huge saves in uh, going into stoppage time in the second half. But Ake kind of got himself free. Um, a nice little bit of uh, uh, whatever whatever move that was. I know that uh, I've had forwards do that to me as a defender, and it feels great um, when your goalie makes the <laughs> save. <laughs> um, but he almost looked like McCarthy was starting to go the wrong way, and he got a foot on it. Um, and I think that 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 was huge because it it didn't look like much, and it kind of came out of nowhere. The ball's bouncing around from a free kick, but he gets his foot on it. Um, and I thought, like you said, uh, like we were going to say, he has a he's had a really good game yesterday. McCarthy deserves a, a lot of credit. Um, but then Bournemouth do equalize kind of going into halftime and, you know, coming in to the game, being nervous the whole time, kind of seeing us start kind of, uh, nervously and, in, in you know, me trying to convince myself it's going to be okay. Us scoring is, is, a, you know, obviously on a high end and got some confidence. We don't sit back. So it kind of stays there. And then we kind of concede that goal almost out of nowhere. And I, that was just deflating and going into halftime now worried, like, is this going to be it? Is this going to be, you know, the 10 minutes in, in the Chelsea match at home a few weeks ago? Is this going to be like that? What what was that? What was going through your mind as as that goal went in, as another forward got free at the back post to put to, to put home an equalizer or, or go ahead goal? Um, I feel like we've seen this before, but uh, what were you kind of thinking about as that was happening? It was, just, it was a, a kick in the teeth. You know, it was you sort of expect, and oh, we've, we've conceded, here we go again. You know, and you wouldn't. I don't think anyone could be blamed if they if they felt like that. You know, that because we have seen it so many times this season where we've conceded goals. I mean, I put up a, a stat that so far this season we've dropped 19 points <laughs> from winning positions. So. It's not as if it hasn't happened before. So yeah, when that when that goal went in, you sort of thinking, oh, you know, after a fairly positive half, to go in level was a real kick in the teeth. Did you think we were going to come out and and be able to push and go ahead, or were you worried that we were going to kind of drop everything? And it, and if if it stays a draw at that point, what does that in your mind? What does that do for our survival hopes? Well, it, we had to win. Yeah. It was as simple as that. You know, the time for good performances but no points is for 
one point is 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 gone. And we it was all about you know getting that result over performance. We could have played really really badly yesterday. If we won, fair enough, move on. We've got those points. Um, when that goal went in, you sort of thinking it's going to happen again. You know, I wasn't expecting us to come out. You know, because you'd see you'd seen it against Chelsea in that that eight minutes of madness where we from such a comfortable position we we fell apart. Uh-huh. So from an even less comfortable situation at one nil going level one one and you sort of not let's, let's not let's not be funny. The fans were obviously thinking that, but I bet the players were as well because they'd seen it happen against. Chelsea, okay, Bournemouth aren't on the same level as Chelsea, but they must have felt it's happening again. So to come out in the second half, regain that lead, shows a lot of ball, a lot of character, to be fair to them, when we haven't seen an awful lot of displays of real character, I'd say. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, the The one mistake I thought McCarthy made in that first half was... The ball's played through. Um, I, I forget who the attacker was, but but Hoot is running with him, and it looks like Hoot's going to deal with it. And McCarthy comes out, and Hoot kind of, you know, there's a collision. Hoot lands on his neck. Uh, it looks really, really bad there for a few minutes. Um, the the one positive thing was that Hoot was moving. Uh, he moved his arms and his legs as he's kind of writhing around on the ground. But, um, you know, I don't know if there's any blame on McCarthy there or if it's just a miscommunication, uh, but we don't often see McCarthy come out and do that. Um, but were you at all, did you question that, that decision from him or is that me being too harsh on McCarthy and, you know, because everybody's okay and we didn't concede, we'll just let it go or, or what were your thoughts on that? I guess we've been so used to seeing Fraser Forster, you know, stand rooted to his line, not coming out at all, that McCarthy coming off his line, take responsibility was a bit of a shock. Um, I wouldn't say I'd particularly blame McCarthy for coming out to claim it. You know, he's the goalkeeper. He has to take the lead. And OK, it could have been a lot worse, but I can I can certainly understand why he's done that, why he wanted to take the lead in that situation. Yeah. Um, now, McCarthy's not the paciest. And uh, we don't I don't think we would particularly play a, a, a super high line most of the time. But if we do, you know, McCarthy's got to be out a little bit closer to to be able to deal with that, I think maybe he got caught uh, a little deep and maybe caught in two minds because, like you said, we don't often have our goalkeeper come out and do that. Uh, that's not that's not normal for us, um, or at least not that we've seen. And so I, I I was just I was shocked to see him in the picture. Honestly, I thought this is this is a ball that's going to go out for a corner probably, um, and that'll be okay. And then all of a sudden, it was just like oh, the medics are on the field, and I was like, oh oh god, I hope he's all right. But luckily, he got up and was fine. And uh, you know, neck injuries are are, are scary, so. I'm just glad he's all right. But, you know, then, uh, of course, we go into halftime. It's 1-1. Possession's been fairly even. Actually, Bournemouth had a bit more than we did. Uh, We had more shots. We had more shots on target. So I think we were making use of our... Of, of our possession, which is something that I, that is good because oftentimes, uh, you know, we've outpossessed teams by a lot uh, under Pellegrino and under Powell and just nothing comes of it. So the fact that we're actually doing something with the ball, I thought was, was encouraging. Um, and then our second goal comes from, from kind of a mistake from, from them. And, uh, you know, the ball kind of hoofed up and, and Cook just takes a bad touch off his chest and Nat and Tadic is there uh, to take it from him and, and just goes all the way himself. And you have Redmond screaming from it. You have uh, Austin making a run. Uh, and it was just kind of a weird toe poke finish, but the ball was moving, dipping away from the goalkeeper. It was great. Um, I, I don't know what, what to you, I'll let you start kind of go into detail on it, but what, did, what, what stood out to you on that, on that goal kind of from the, uh, from the moment the ball leaves, I think McCarthy's foot to, uh, you know, it going in the back of the net from Tadic. Well, obviously we, you know, as I mentioned before, that a lot of the time we were sort of wanting to draw out former from them to make the mistakes and they've, they've made, you know, it's a clear mistake from Steve Cook. And what I quite like is how Tadic took control of that situation. Like, like McCarthy had, you know, with the, where he, clo- where he clobbered Hoy, mm-hmm. you know, Tadic has stepped, stepped up, you know, and he, if he hadn't put it in the bottom corner, he would have got an awful lot of stick. But the fact is that he obviously felt confident from his first goal that he thought, you know, I'm going to try it. And, and he did, he done, he done the right thing. And, you know, credit to Tadic yesterday. He really did step up. He really, you know, he's, he's doing his, he's done his bit. You know, we need, we do need players like that where 
they're going to step up and okay he might not be a, a typical you know stereotypical leader but he's if he steps up and does stuff like that you know you can see why why he's well liked by his teammates because if he's because he, he clearly stepped up with that goal he you know the fit the finish itself you know to try something like that in such a, a high pressure you know in a very high pressure situation has to be admired as well because there was no other way really he was going to score that goal <laughs> so credit to him yeah i think in that situation um somebody with less confidence lays the ball off to redmond um because then you know oh i've i've you know i've stolen the ball i've made the run here you, you know it's the safe option. yeah yeah and so sometimes you need to take that risk you need someone willing to go like i i have this we need this right now and i'm going to do this and i and like you said if it doesn't come off then he's criticized um but i think as i think that's what we need we need somebody that that has the confidence to do that because we don't have a lot of goals in the team period um so to have him score that and i think he scored uh was it at home against chelsea or was it in the in the in the cup yeah, semifinal um, um, but it was uh you know he he's he's been getting on the score sheet. he's been getting forward more which is maybe that comes from hughes maybe i don't i don't know but um i think my kind of favorite thing about that is that you can watch the as the ball is coming over to cook as soon as the ball as cook is getting on the ball and it, i think it becomes clear that he's not going to head it Tadic is on him. And so he gives, he gives cook as soon as there's a, a little bit of a stake, which maybe it comes from the pressure uh, of Tadic being around, or maybe, maybe it's just a, a quick reaction from him. As soon as that ball comes off cook's chest, Tadic is on it and he's is away. And I think that is maybe something that we lack um, from time to time is, is that willingness to go to just anticipate uh, and put the other team under some pressure and, and force them to make a mistake so that it, it puts us in a, in a, in a, in a good position. And, um, cause if we only allow or rely on the striker to do that, there's nobody there to, to run the other defender off. Um, if you watch the replay, uh, you can see there's a, there's another kind of defender, uh, coming over. Maybe it's a midfielder, but he's kind of pointing, uh, at Ake to, to go towards Austin. And I think that little bit of space, um, the fact that Ake had to go towards the sideline and not goal side of, of Tadic gives him the space to, to make the, the shot, to take the shot and to, to put it away. And so I think, I think from that perspective, I think that was something that we we've lacked a lot of uh, this year. And so I think that for me was, I, I guess my favorite part of, of the entire goal was just the willingness to, to go like, I'm, I'm going to put him under pressure. I'm going to, and Oh, here we go. Here we go. And now I'm, and now we're in. And I think for me, that's something that we haven't done enough of this year. And I, I can't praise kind of the guys enough for, for just putting in that little bit of extra effort, a little bit of uh maybe mental awareness and everything else that goes with it. I think I think that was a, a big problem under Pellegrino that if you control possession and you're but you're so safe with it and you don't take risks, you're not gonna win games in the Premier League. You have to take risks and Tadic, you know, gets a, a criticism sometimes Tadic gets is that, you know, he gives he gives the ball away sometimes. But if if you don't take risks, you know, if he ta- if he takes risks and he gives the ball away, okay, fair enough. You know, you have you have to be you have to have players who are not just going to play the safe option every time. Like, you know, if if you've got a player of Tadic's technique and quality, why would you want to limit them to just playing five yard passes? You know, keep the ball, keep it safe because you because teams are just in the Premier League are just going to sit back and go, All right, well we'll wait for you to give it to us and then we'll hit you on the break. You know, and I think the fact that we were playing with five defenders also helped Tadic because it means that he doesn't have to. You know, he knows his job is to create, is to score goals. So, you know, he's not thinking about tracking back so much. And that, this is, it's the same with Austin and possibly with Redmond as well. Yes, Redmond and Austin both felt that they could put all their energy or at least most of it into attacking, which, you know, that's their strength. That's what they're there to do. You know, you, it's okay saying, oh yeah, you've got to track back, but their job is to score goals. Their job is, you know, is to win us the game. You know, so having, having those players in a formation where they feel less burden defensively really helps and you know we go going back to that formation perhaps this is the formation that suits Saints not because okay we we might not be so strong at centre back but if it means that we can get more out of our attacking players then then why not yeah absolutely absolutely I don't think I necessarily have a problem with the formation especially 
I don't know. We, we I mean, we played okay with it. Obviously, a, a slightly different personnel under Kuman um, when, when we played with a back three. But I think I don't know. I, I think it allows, like we said, our, our wingbacks to get forward. I think it allows us some some freedom, and it allows Tadic some freedom to to go and do you know the things that to, to have one job, and and that is support the striker and be creative. And, and I think he does that well. Kuman used that formation when we was when we were leaking goals, uh-huh. you know, to to give us a bit more solidarity at the back. But you can see why it would help attacking wise because if you've got, you know, yesterday for example, we had five defenders and Oriol Romeo, who is a defensive minded midfielder, uh-huh. that allows Lamina to push forward. That allows Redmond and Tadic to, to almost, in a way, cheat a little bit. You know, they don't uh-huh. have to get back; they can just concentrate solely on doing their thing and not having to worry about shade having to worry about getting back and and you know it it really worked yesterday yeah yeah absolutely um i just do have to clarify one thing i made a mistake it was not the same cook making a mistake as the the card so lewis cook got a card early on steve cook yeah um so lewis, yeah, sorry lewis about that there's too, right. too many too many cooks and everything else too many cooks for the broth. yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> um all right so like I don't know, like coming out of that match, I don't know. Is there, oh, oh, actually, before we get there, um, going into stoppage time, things were a little bit, a little bit tight. And I had to, I had to go to my kids' games, unfortunately, that were much less interesting, uh, than, than the Saints game. And so I was trying to kind of, I, I had the video on on my phone in my pocket and I was listening, uh, but I didn't see everything. And so I had to come home and, and watch it. And it, it seemed to get a little bit tighter. It seemed like maybe, the the idea that we have to protect what we have once we had that 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 two one lead going into stoppage time it seemed like like Bournemouth really did kind of pour it on and and I wrote uh, on Instagram and in kind of my little match review that that I was really happy with the performance and, and somebody pointed out like on Facebook that no it wasn't all that great like there were still aspects of it where you could see the old ideas coming back and the idea that we have to sit back uh, and protect that that started to creep in late in the game but I kind of think that's 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 what every team does at at two one in stoppage time is you just defend and I think that's just normal whether it's the right thing to do or not I think that's just kind of how it goes. Um, but I don't know, like, I think McCarthy came up huge with two big saves, um, almost right in a row, almost from similar shots in similar areas, but, um, one save with his legs and then the diving kind of punch or parry or whatever it was that I thought there was no way he was getting there. And that ball was definitely going in the corner. Um, so, so going into to stop the time, were you worried at all about, about the, about the result or were you semi-confident that we were going to kind of, kind of see it out? I think going back to the point that, you know, oh, we, we sat back. I don't think that was tactically what they were meant to do. I think that's just a mental, that's a mental sort of aspect that, you know, because we haven't been winning games at home, you know, we haven't won at home since November. In the back of your mind, if you're a player, you're thinking we have to hold on to this. So, the, you know, you're not going to take risks by and push on for a third. You're going to, you're going to drop back. So I, I don't, I don't think that was tactically what they wanted to do, but mentally wise, you know, they weren't going to take the risk. So, and in, so in, in stoppage time, when you, when you've been dropping a lot of points from winning positions and, you know, you're constantly, constantly reminded that we haven't won since November. We've been dropping points. You, you're going to, it's going to be tense. You know, I was so nervous watching those last five minutes. I'd look at the clock, 82 minutes, look what seems like 10 minutes later and suddenly it's, it's only just 83. You know, those, those moments are so tense. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can understand the players being tense as well. And there was a few, there was a few times where they would give, they would give the ball away, not because they were trying to take risks to win the game, but because they were probably so nervous that, you know, you make mistakes when you're nervous. You know, that's, that's the nature, that's the nature of it. So go in and then you go into stop it, you go into stoppage time. And I don't think we can give enough credit to McCarthy for stepping up because for whatever reason they, they kept on back and they kept back and forth throughout the whole season. I don't think Forster makes that so. I don't think Forster, you know, with confidence wise and possibly technique wise would have adjusted and made that save. But the fact was that McCarthy made it. You know, he's, he's, he's arguably been our player of the season. He's been playing well so the fact that he's playing well and you know he really stepped up with that save because it's a difficult save to make Fraser's the, the second save especially Fraser's hit that has come off Cedric so the ball's changed direction uh-huh. so he has to make a split second decision to go oh okay I need to dive this way instead of that way and the fact the fact that he made it really 
that would have given us more confidence as well going away from that game because we could not only you know concede and come back into a game but we can also hold on to it and the fact that we've got a very a keeper that has been very very good will give the defenders a lot of confidence you know and if you've got that base where you feel very confident it it means the whole team can sort of not not worry and moments like that will give thanks an enormous amount of confidence i think yeah and it's you know Sometimes defender makes a mistake, it puts a guy through one on one with a goalkeeper, and you kind of back the the goal scorer in that in that instance to to put it away. Um, saw that with Arsenal against uh, against Atletico Madrid, um, you know, and that that something like that can be hugely deflating. Um, and when a goalkeeper comes up there, you you tell him thank you, and then you you just try not to make that mistake again. But for I think for McCarthy to, cause it's just such a quick reaction. There's no time to think about that. You know, that is, that's instinct and training and, and just kind of being in the moment and for him to do that, for him to make that save. If you watch the way the players celebrate it, it is like, they know, you know, we, like we have this, that's, that's the difference between kind of a, I guess a big mistake that leads to a one-on-one versus a goal versus a save like that is there's no, there's no, Oh, thanks for bailing me out. That's just like, we're all in this together, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that is so important for us going forward because we ha- everybody has to be there. Everybody has to be willing to to put in that effort to, you know, because sometimes you see goalkeepers just kind of stand and watch that ball go like, oh, that's 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 the corner and I'm not doing it and I'm already going the wrong way. And just to see him do that and almost reach back and kind of p- punch it away or parry it away. It was it was I don't know. It was it was great when I. I will be honest. We were talking before we we recorded. I have quite a filthy mouth. I just try not to show it on here. And uh, when I heard the announcers kind of say what was going on, I ripped my phone out of my pocket. And then I, I yelled like, you know, uh, several swear words and all the parents on the sideline kind of turned around and looked at me and I was just like, uh, <laughs> sorry, you know, like I was just like, I'm not, I'm not at your kids. It's not at your kids. So I apologize. And my wife's just like, would you just, you know, shut up? So, um, it was, uh, it was slightly embarrassing, but, uh, but I'll live with it. Cause, uh, it, it was great. And, uh, I can understand why you did it because I, I <laughs> when I saw the shot, I thought, "Oh my god, it, here it comes!" Here it comes, and then to see the ball sort of punch it away, it was, I, I went nuts. It, it was like we scored. It was that. It was that kind of feeling where you you're expecting the worst, and then to suddenly for him to pop up with that, it was. I went nuts. It was like you almost felt like, "Oh my god, we're actually going to win this." Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. It's that sort of feeling from it. Um, you know, and it's, you, you think, and I don't want to discredit Fraser Forrester because I think he's done some very, very good things for, for the club. And I think for a few years he was fantastic. I still remember the performance against Arsenal uh, when he just seemingly made every save possible. Um, and, and then I think back to uh, the EFL Cup semifinal against Liverpool, I think where he kind of clawed that one back um, just as it was going over the line. And you think about that, but the, just the the difference between that was that was kind of a calamity in front of goal uh, there. And he manages to scoop it away. Whereas this is, this is a shot that, you know, is, is well enough worked by Bournemouth and it's, it's doesn't come from a big mistake necessarily from anybody. And he just manages to, to just pull it out. And that's, that's what we need. And hopefully, you know, there are, there, I think there are a couple of instances in the game, uh, whether it's Tadich latching onto the ball, the mistake from Cook uh, and putting it away, whether it's that save from McCarthy, whether it's the recovery run from Hoot after he gives the ball away to Ake and, and then he tries to put Defoe through. Um, I, I think all of those things are, are moments that we can look back on and say, like, you know, that that is the commitment we need for the next three games if we're going to get out of this. And so, yeah, but. Just just a quick kind of wrap up uh, of team news before we uh, answer a question. We talked about Buffal a little bit earlier and the the failure, I guess the the accusation is that he failed to, to get up and warm up when he was asked. And it was against Chelsea at home uh, in, in the league. Hughes's reaction to that in, in, in terms of dropping him to the under 23s. You, do you have any any issues with that? And how do you see this playing out long term? Of course, Hughes is on a, a short term contract, but if he stays, do you think this is this is the end of, of Buffal, or do you think he has the chance to come back into the team, or, or kind of how do you see this playing out? I, I absolutely have no issues with Hughes for dropping Buffal if he's because you, you you were talking just then about everyone needing to be together, and if Buffal didn't warm up, you know, and you can't you can't allow for that in a in a situation that we're in. We need they need to be all together. So if Buffal's you know behaving like that, I've got no no issue with Hughes punishing him like that. I don't think it'll really affect Buffal as such because I'm 
I think even if we do stay up, I think he will be going because it's been it's been two seasons where the first the first season you could you can say okay he's been in, he's been injured you know he had a, a big a big injury mm-hmm. before he came that affected preseason that you know meant that his whole season was disrupted but now he's had a full he had a full preseason and for whatever reason he probably has been mismanaged he probably hasn't been trusted as much as he should have been but if he's behaving like that and you know that that doesn't send out a good sign he wants to stay so I wouldn't be that of a him going on I don't I don't think I don't think how he dealt with that situation will affect him staying. I don't I don't think they can okay. you know, say he kept us in the Premier League. I don't think they're gonna go, well we didn't like the way he dealt with these fouls, so we're not gonna keep you. I d I don't think okay. that comes into it because because of the situation we're in at the moment. Right, right. Okay. Um so you think Boo falls off no matter what, whether we stay up or go down? I yeah, I, I think with that with that whole behaviour and, you know, other two or three little little things alongside that, I think Boo Fowl would be one of those that you say, yeah, he's he's going especially if we go down because he's on fairly big wages. He's he's one of those that because he because he's come in from Europe, the fact that if we if we're going down he's his reputation abroad will not have dropped too much that right. we will likely have interest anywhere, I think. I don't know where I read it, um, or if it was a reputable source or not, but I, I saw something like he's on like sixty thousand pounds a week. Um and that's that's a that's a fair chunk of change uh for us to be paying somebody to not play. But I'd rather have him out of the lineup if he's not gonna play and do the job we need him to do. You know, and I think that's the difference between what we saw yesterday with Tadic and and some of the things we've seen in the past with maybe some of our other players. Um so yeah, I I have to agree with you there. Um, other big kind of notable absence is Davis. It seems like he may be done for the rest of the season. I've talked a lot on here about, about lack of leadership in the squad. Uh, do you think that is going to have an impact on, on the team? Or do you think that what we saw yesterday, we can continue to do that even if Davis isn't there um, kind of providing that kind of seniority and that, and that leadership presence? I think, I think yeah, I, I do think the absence of Davis has impacted Saints at this moment in time. I've, I've got to be honest, if we're saying about, you know, if we were aiming for the table, I don't think Davis would be, is good enough, you know, for that. But in this situation we're in at the moment where we're needing, we're needing men really to keep, to keep us up. We're not, we can't afford to carry people. Stephen, Stephen Davis falls into the bracket of, you know, the people you can trust. So I do, I do think he, it, the win percentage without him in the team is a lot, is a lot higher than him without, you know. So okay. he obviously has an effect in the dressing room. You know, he, he's captain of his country. So he, he must be a leader in some way. Okay. He might not be the, again, he might not be the stereotypical leader. He's shouting at everyone and, you know, giving it the, the big one, but he's clearly a leader in, in some respects. So I do think he, he does it. It will impact on the team and not being in it. Sure. All right. Well, uh, we have a question here from from the Saints FC page on Instagram. And once again, people can always submit their questions on Instagram, Facebook, uh, or Twitter. Uh, however, however you, you would like, uh, you can send private messages. You can post them. I, I don't care. We'll always take your questions. But um, Saints FC page asks: Is it safe to come away with a point versus Everton next week, or do we need all three? And um, you know, looking at the table right now. Um, you know, we're a point behind Swansea, uh, we're, I guess, three points behind West Ham Huddersfield, uh, West Ham still have a game to play. Uh, maybe they're playing right now, I think against, against city as we're, as we're speaking. So by the time people hear this, this will have already happened, but, um, you know, what, what going into Everton away, what, what's a, what's a decent, what's a, what's a good re- result, I guess, in, in your opinion? Uh, I think a point a point would be a good result at Everton because we don't have a very good record there. But then that does ramp up the, the pressure on that Swansea game. If we can come away from Goodison with a win, I think it does kind of take the pressure a bit off Swansea because the results yesterday have dragged Huddersfield back into it. I don't think we you can rule out Huddersfield, especially with their fixture list. So I would say I'd say a point is a good result. But obviously, in, in in the situation where at the moment we need all three, really. Swansea have to go play Bournemouth next weekend, so we're definitely pulling for Bournemouth to have a slightly better performance than they had yesterday. Um, but like you said, when we meet Swansea midweek, that is 
it's it, that's going to have uh, some impact on, on the on the standings no matter what. But if we can get three points at Everton, I like you said, I think that drags Huddersfield back. Their their run in is atrocious. They have Man City, uh, Chelsea, and then and then Arsenal. Um, so there's there, there is a chance there that they're not going to to see another point. That's kind of what we're hoping for. But I. I, I worry, you know, that if we leave it too late, if we, I, I worry about us having to play just the one game to decide the season or to have to go into Man City or up against Man City on the last day of the season and attempt to at least get a point. I, I worry about that. And I know there are probably Saints fans out there who have seen the team escape from maybe worse and they've seen the team kind of uh, survive on the last day of the season. But I, I, I'll be honest in that since I, my time watching, I haven't seen that. You know, I've only ever seen us go go up and up and up in in the standings, and then last season to kind of you know uh, finish finish in eighth is is a step slightly backwards. But overall, I've never I've never experienced this before, so I am uh, freaking out basically uh, about about results and and us staying up because it's it's just something I haven't experienced yet. This is it's a it's a similar situation for me. I have seen them stay up on the final day uh, ten ten years ago now. Blimey. Uh, against Sheffield, against Sheffield United in the Championship, um, on on the final day they needed to win and they managed to dig out a result against team who at the time were looking to get into the playoffs in the Championship. So I've I have seen I have seen it before, but I I do agree. Um, and I sort of yesterday's result has helped ease doubts that I have that this squad isn't the type you know that when when things are getting tough they, they step up for it. Yeah. So that this 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 result. Only will only not just benefit them confidence-wise, but might give a little bit of confidence to the fans thinking that okay, these guys are going to fight. These guys can dig it out if need be. Yeah. All right. Um. All right. So any anything else on on the match or or on the season or, or anything else? Uh, I think it's a, a very good win and a win we obviously needed. I, whether it will change that much will only be decided by Everton Swansea the possibly the Manchester City game. I think it's it's a game that we obviously is a good building block, but it's only a good building block if you actually build on it. So. Right, right. Um, and I think I think I've said things like that over and over and over. It's like this is something to build on, but you actually have to build on it, you know. And so hopefully we can we're we're gonna have to string the best run of results together that we've had all season if we're gonna do this. And if now is the time to do it, then then so be it. I just, I'd love to see it. So yeah, I, I don't have any. I wouldn't have any doubt. You know, if if you said to me that we need to win one, maybe even two of those games, you look at that squad and you think we've definitely got the talent uh-huh. to do that. It's it's the mental aspect, it's the the commitment, the mentality, that side of it that you think, mm, okay, do we have that? But I think doubt starts creeping in. Yeah, and there's got to be a difference in if you're already sitting in mid table. You know, you're going away to Swansea. You know, it's midweek. You know, you're probably going. You know, this isn't so bad. You know, we'll show up. We'll take care of business. We'll laugh and have 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 a joke around in the in the in the hotel beforehand and, and the night before, and then we'll we'll go play. You have to imagine they're going to be going into that match, no matter where what what happens at Everton. That we're gonna they're going to be going into that match, going like this is serious. And you got to wonder about the mentality of some of those guys that haven't been through this before. Um, Are they going to be able to put that pressure aside and go out and play their game? And I I don't know. I'm I am uh, I just in in talking about it. I'm going kind of all over the place in, in how I feel about it. So I don't know. We can only. We can only hope, and we'll see. And uh, there's a there's a chance I might be sick on that Tuesday, and might not be. Uh, might have to stay home from work to uh, to, to see that because uh, sometimes I can watch and just kind of be secretive about it, and other times I'm like, ah, this. I think that's going to involve some emotions that I I'm, kids are going to hear about it if I watch it at school, so <laughs> I won't be able to do that. <laughs> um, but I, I just do have a a, a kind of a, a question uh, for you in terms of, of your job and and things like that. But um, if you could kind of go out uh, to dinner. Any any of the guys that are at Sky Sports or any of the, any of the I don't want to say guys but any of the any of the any of the employees at Sky Sports you know you can take three of them out and just kind of sit down with them and talk with them about whether it's journalism or or football or whatever it is uh, who are those three people and uh, where would you take them um, I guess the obvious one would be Matt Lit- Matt Letizia, um because of his you know because of how he what he done at Southampton and 
how he's transitioned from very good footballer into into a media side of it and how that came about and and that side of it. In if I had to pick if I had to pick another one, I, I guess I'd pick a present I'd pick a presenter some uh from Sky Sports News. I'd probably someone someone like Jim White, who's a who's a presenter on the show, and how he went from where he was to becoming a presenter on on the show because I don't sometimes where people make things look so easy, you know, the pressure that he is un, that he's under obviously he's wearing a mic so he's got producers and, and mm-hmm. directors talking in his ear. He's got a constant if he's, you know, asking uh, a studio guest questions, he's got to think of those questions. He's got to listen to what is being said by the person. And it's just how do you deal with that pressure? How how have you you know, how can you have that skill where so much around you you know is happening and how you make it look so easy you know how he makes it look so you know he he makes it look so polished i think i think that would be quite an an interesting person to talk to uh in terms of in terms of where i would take them there's a there's a place in in southampton which is is probably not the most obvious place for a dinner like that but there's a place in southampton that if people haven't been and if you haven't been there then you should go next time you go uh, is a Brazilian steakhouse called Casa Brazil. I've been there a few times, and that's a lot of fun. That's okay. a really cool. It's 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 like one of those Brazilian rodízios where you know you sit down at a table and the, the waiters come the waiters come round with massive skewers of meat and sliced like beef chicken. Honestly, it's so worth going to that. So if next time you're in Southampton, go to Casa Brazil. Okay, because that is one cool place. All right. All right. All right, George. Well, um, thank you. I, I think I think we've about we've about done it. We should, in terms of time and looking at it, we're, we're, we're about where we should be. So I think it's it's best to leave it here, uh, unless there's anything else you'd like to add. Um, no worries. Thank you very much for having me, and pleasure to be invited on. And really appreciate as well the fact that you've woken up so early to interview me. So I really appreciate that. Oh, my, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, sorry to take up so much of your afternoon. No, no, no. But sorry for taking up so much time of your oh. early morning and taking <laughs> much needed sleep. I imagine. Ah, it's all right. It'll be all right. All right, man. Well, we will. Uh, well, hopefully, have you on again, and we'll talk to you later. Definitely, I'd love to be back on. Thank you very much for asking, and uh, enjoy enjoy your day. I will. I will. Thank you. That does it for episode 69 of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed it. Special thanks to my guest this week, George Galpin. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at gGalpin95. And you can see his work, although not him, on Sky Sports and Sky Sports News. As always, this podcast is partnered with The Saints Report. For all your Southampton FC news and needs, be sure to visit The Saints Report on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook you will not be disappointed. The artwork for the show is done by the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Matt, who runs the page, has been a guest on this show. Uh, he's been with me the entire time. Uh, the artwork was actually the first thing I ever had done uh, for the show. So special thanks to Matt for being there uh, from episode one. If you'd like to get in touch with anybody, the links are in the show notes. Uh, so do not hesitate to do that. You can also follow this show on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We're at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on Twitter and Instagram. And we're at Facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. And once again, links are in the show notes. All music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. And the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. If you're a first-time listener, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, uh, or wherever else you get your podcast. We're now on Spotify as well, uh, so do not hesitate to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. If you've been listening for a while and you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. Uh, it really, really does help. And if you don't listen there, uh, consider just sharing it with somebody around you. Uh, that also helps as well. Big game next week away at Everton. We don't have the best record up at Goodison Park, but uh, it means a lot to us. And so we're going to take the full support uh, and we're going to make sure that it happens. So uh, all that being said, uh, really looking forward to next week. 
And uh, I hope you are too. So uh, until next time, remember that together, we march on. <laughs>